Hello. This is Voyager Time. In their collective state, the Borg are utterly without mercy, driven by one will alone. Friendship. I'm Andrew, and with me today is... Sarah. Ben. Nathan. Today we're talking about the Voyager Season 3 finale and Season 4 premiere, Scorpion Parts 1 and 2. Voyager must pass through Borg space only to discover a new alien race that is even deadlier. There's no Adventure Time this week. The Voyager's fired 23, 23, 23, 23, 23, 20, 23 of its 38 photon torpedoes. 23! 23 at four beautiful, gorgeous, lovely photon torpedoes fired this episode. Mm-hmm. Oh, you love to see it. <laughs> starting, to, starting to run low on those, huh? I wonder Great what they're going to do when they run, out. they run out. <laughs> 15 left. 15 is not a lot left, especially when you have to deal with whatever species number this was. You know, I never actually wrote that down. 8472. Thank you, buddy. <laughs> On the ball with that uh, one. I, wa- I watched it again today, and that's just, you know, how my brain works. <laughs> it, what was it again? 8472? 8472. 8472. Can you bleep that out, Sarah? Because that's my new house address. <laughs> um... Yes. No, it's not. I know it's not. That'd be funny, I, though. I was, hoping, <laughs> I was hoping that you would only bleep it out once Andrew said it that last time. <laughs> I, I think let the, us say it a bunch of times and then, oh, don't, can you believe that out? <laughs> I, I may be wrong here, but I'm pretty sure the species number was t- <laughs> <laughs> That's a really uh-huh. long species name. Yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, how do we all feel about this episode? Great. Pretty good. Honestly, I felt like the writing and acting was so much better that I felt like I was watching a different show. <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> just right from the very beginning. Yeah. And I forgot that this is the two part where we get seven, which is just, mm-hmm. she's everything to me. So I was just <laughs> like freaking out (laughs) finally (laughs) she's finally she's here here. it's happening yeah yeah so i was i I was i had a great time watching this i do think it's funny because this is when they uh, this is like the end of cast being on the show soon and i think the next episode she leaves Mm -hmm. spoiler i guess (laughs) like she everybody knows that that Kess leaves when seven gets here so seven's here so So Kes has to leave soon. Yes. And we talked about this, I think, a while ago when we were talking about (laughs) Garrett Wong's, like, people's sexiest guy or whatever that thing that he had was, remember? Mm Mm-hmm. No. They were going to kill him off, and then he got that, and then they decided, never mind, he can stay because he's so very sexy. Oh, my God. I I, somehow I completely (laughs) forgot about that. Holy shit. Yeah. So... I just really wonder if they would have killed him off by having him get eaten by this alien algae stuff that's just like taking over. They his should body have. I mean, they already killed him off twice. Mm-hmm. I know. I don't think. It, I think it happens at least one more time before the end of the season or end of the show. <laughs> so I think the I writers are just horny to murder Garrett Wong. <laughs> yeah. They were looking for excuses, like, "Ooh, how do we? How do we yeah. kill him again? Just like have another." <laughs> Have another little little murder for just us. a fun little Harry Kim death as a treat. You know, it'd be actually rad if they did that and they had Brandon like Braga a can have a, have some Harry Kim death as a treat. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say Brent Bragg and Branga just hates Harry Harry Kim. That's really the real secret here. Okay. Kim and Garrett Wong do not get along. Uh-huh. 
No, they actually get along great. He just hates the character uh, of <laughs> Harry Sorry. Kim. You're fine. It's it's not you. It's your character. Garrett, you're great. It's Yeah, it's not you. It's your character. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a long way of saying it's not you, it's me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I thought, Sarah, you, you kind of led it at this long intro. I thought you were going to tell me that you actually hated, didn't like this episode, and I was going <laughs> to round it out by having like the most negative opinion. But I agree. I thought this was really great. Yeah. It was really well done. Um, I thought the the whole bit with Seven, because I, I was really curious, like the whole thing about the Borg is that they're the collective. And mm-hmm. so I was really curious, how are we going to get a singular character out of them? And I thought the the way they chose to do that was like very Star Trek in the best way, where it is a solution that is so simple, it seems obvious in retrospect. Like I really like the idea of her being sort of like the avatar for the Borg collective so they can better work with the humans in this case. Right. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense in mm-hmm. in, in context. Yeah, it it, it it did it did make me think think about like interesting ways that like hive minds have been portrayed. Like I particularly like the way that they did it in. I hate using Rick and Morty for like positive <laughs> stuff now, but like they have that episode of like high like a hive mind where they're just like walking around and slow the the conversation keeps happening with these other people that they keep walking past yeah that was really good and it was so strange and weird and i was like why would the borg not just do something like that that seems like <laughs> it would make sense but it it's it's very star trek and it it still worked how about that pickle episode too am i right pickle oh my god <laughs> I was got. I, I love pickle jump, Luke I, Picard. I was homeschooled, so I wasn't. To, I wasn't allowed to watch right. Rick and Morty. Oh, Rick and Morty. Sure, <laughs> that was on when we were in high school. Yeah, definitely. Sure that it, sure that was on when we were in high school. Yeah, for and sure. For definitely sure, not sure. still airing. For sure. For sure. For sure. For sure. Because sure, I'm not that old. That's fine. That's totally. Nope. Yeah, we're fine, all... fine. 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 <laughs> yeah, I'm 18. <laughs> <laughs> Ben, that's such an interesting point because I've always thought that the way the Borg were handled were really was really good on Star Trek, where they were just sort of this like singular entity that is sort of unknowable and like the, they're inconsistently written from episode to episode. But I think it really works. Like I like that they, they they're so like the idea of a collective mind is so I think hard for us to really like process and understand that for them to be so different and weird every time really works. But also like in Rick and Morty, like that's such a cool way of handling that as well. Yeah, it, it's not that like. I don't. I don't think the the way that the Borg are written is bad necessarily, no. especially in this episode. It's just like I think that like with the, it's a, one of those like flaws of having years of seeing stuff like this, and that's right. based on stuff like the Borg, where we can go. Oh, I think that there are more interesting ways that we have been able to elaborate on this idea since then. But like this is just an interesting way that it started. So. More interesting, not not more interesting. Uh, just like an just interesting different. way that it started. Yeah, sure. Yeah, because I think the Borg, honestly, like truly as a concept and in execution, hold up even twenty years later. Yeah, yeah. no, it, it definitely holds up. What did you guys think about the uh, Da Vinci hologram thing? Yeah, we oh got God. Gimli. We got Gimli. Yeah, and Sala. <laughs> I, yes. I was thinking of Sala. It's so funny. I have such. A like fond memory of watching John Rhys Davies on Voyager that I was like, oh my god, it's when he shows up. And then I looked it up, and he's only in two episodes. Yeah, and I was so like, he comes back. He comes back in one more at some point. I don't know how far, but like he's only in two. And I was like, 
are you kidding me? Because I thought he had been in a bunch. And that's why I remembered it. Because <laughs> I liked it so much. But I guess it just had a really big impression on me when I was... <laughs> I was just like, finally a cool hologram. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it says a lot about how good his acting is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, it really did stand out. Right. But I think... Like what I wrote down was this is the kind of holodeck RPG I can get behind. <laughs> Janeway just goes in there and she's just hanging out and talking and then they're like exchanging ideas and then she's like, could I like have a little like desk that I can do some like work in your workshop mm-hmm. and then we can hang out? And then he's like, all right, fine. But like he initially is like, get out of here. I don't want you here, which yeah. I thought was so funny. A hologram mm-hmm. in a thing that you program. <laughs> and he doesn't, he's like, get out. I don't want you here. It just made me laugh. When you're done Did having they... sex with whoever you want in the holodeck, <laughs> the idea of being able to shoot the shit with any historical figure you want is also <laughs> very appealing in like a, a nerdy way to me. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes. Now, did they just like lose their costume closet like why is she still just in her uh like starfleet uniform in the holodeck she doesn't have to it's not required she didn't feel like cosplaying that day she just wanted to talk the the door doesn't stay locked until you have your costume on right (laughs) it's a lot of work to go to all that trouble to put that on you know and sometimes it just you don't have in the closet what you need right you have a, a replicator that can make Pretty much anything. What are you talking about? All right. You can, have what, you can have anything you need. That's true. That's true. But they're they're on rations. They they have to, you know, you can't just. You can't just keep. use it on your costumes. Yeah, that'd be crazy. <laughs> You're supposed to use it for like food. <laughs> or, you know, vegetable bouillon. Which <laughs> <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> barely counts as a drink. <laughs> Uh, there were so many good moments in here. Like Janeway's got a great captain speech in the end that she ends with let's do it. And I'm like, yeah, let's make that her punch it. That's so good. I love that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There was, there were just all of the stuff that with her and Chakotay, I thought this was like a really great episode for both of them. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like all of their like philosophical debates about what the right thing to do is. Cause they're kind of both right. And both wrong in a way. Like, I don't know. It, it was just such a, it was just so interesting. And the, the way that they played off each other, it was just so cool. And I was like, why don't they give us this more often? Fuck. Right. It's so like what we've been asking for. It's what we've been asking yeah. for all along. Yeah. Right. Where he like is actually calling her on her bullshit and yep. challenging her, like doing the job of a first officer <laughs> kind mm-hmm. of thing. Yeah. Like, well, yeah, the job of a first officer and to like, given how they're, how they started out, like, you know, right. this joining of two crews, you would think that would have happened so much earlier. Right. Janeway and Chakotay walked so Adama and Ty could run. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, okay. <laughs> um, I'll say this. So I really enjoyed those elements of the, how the relationship panned out in, in these episodes. But I feel like that in the end, they did Chakotay dirty when he directly goes against her orders. Because I do not think that Chakotay would do that, even if he disagreed with them. Um, Honestly, I, yeah. Yeah. It did find, kind of fall apart, at least that part of it, for yeah. me too. And he gets away. He Nothing happens to him. She's just like, I'm very disappointed with you or whatever. Yeah. Like, 
He's going to get an extra spanking in the ready room. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but he likes it, so who cares? Yeah, it's a punishment, not really. <laughs> 30 lashings don't work when your first officer has an erection. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he he's he it, they kind of made him go against his like honorable. Yeah. And persona. it's so it's obvious that he is just in love with her, like not necessarily oh, in a yeah. romantic way, but like in a way where like he would never do anything like that because of his feelings for her. Right. I agree with that. But I mean, I guess the only thing that's different than if this was any other situation is that it is the Borg, which is like, yeah, yeah a kind is... of a game changer. It's like, this is the Borg. This is one of the big ones. This is the one that has regularly been beating them. Like the Federation for seasons and seasons of TV show. I would be a little more sympathetic to that. Like, I get it. I think that's a fine point, but they never were like, Chicote has been such an even keel in every circumstance, including the ones where he is like directly threatened and all these things that that would have flown a little better with me if they had shown him being a little more visibly afraid or fearful of them. Yeah. Yeah. Like, if they had played up his whole thing, like, they kind of mentioned it, and it was kind of important at the end when he's like, I'm, I've am i been in a collective or whatever, when he got, right. like, sort mm-hmm. of assimilated into that... I don't that even one know, collective like, on that yeah, settlement. This, like, separated Borg people, yeah. If they had connected it to that a little bit stronger and had him have actual, like, development of his character related to that... Mm-hmm. Especially over episodes, if they had made that Mm -hmm. like a through line, like he's still having like residual problems because of that, it would have made more sense. But they didn't do that. (laughs) So, And I want to be clear, in in my case, I'm nitpicking here. Like, I really think it really did work out. It just that was the bit that as I was watching, I was kind of like, I can see the I can see the structure of this episode more than I could anywhere else in it. Yeah, I think that this one was really relying on people knowing that the Borg are like really bad. <laughs> if yeah. you didn't, if you never watched a different show or a different Star Trek show where mm-hmm. they had any Borg stuff happening, you'd probably just be really like, what's the big deal? <laughs> like the characters are like, man, this is the Borg. This is a big deal. But like all you get is just them saying that. And it's just like yeah, right. referencing other things that happened. It was a lot shows. of tell, not show. Right. Because they're banking on people knowing that stuff and they don't want to like, I guess, beat it over the head, but I, I don't know. Okay. Well, okay. Let me say this. So I saw the Batman, uh, the t- Batman 2022. Uh, thank God there's finally a Batman movie that acknowledges that he has to put eye makeup on every time he puts his helmet on. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's important. Uh, but they did it. I think that movie works. It's okay. I'll say this hot take. It's the best Batman movie, but I think it, tr- it works really well because it trades so much on how much people already know about the Batman and it can subvert some of those things in ways that make it more interesting. Yeah. And so I'm, f- I'm fully on board with Star Trek with what is this? The fourth, uh, Star Trek series. Yes. Third, fourth. Yes. I'm, I'm, I'm really okay with them not having to sell it a lot more and being able to rely on people knowing generally what the Borg are. Right. And I think it really worked for the, the way the episode was structured in that they had, they introduced the big bad, explain how dangerous they are. And then they introduced something even bigger and badder right afterwards to really up the stakes. Yeah. Cause that's the only thing that would get anybody to even think about being an ally of the mm-hmm. Borg for even right. like a second. <laughs> Cause it's like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I, what did you guys think about the eight, four, seven, two aliens as like a concept and how they were in- well, incorporated? I mean, 
I mean, personally, I thought conceptually they're like pretty bland. They don't really do <laughs> anything, but they, they don't have to. All they have to do is be the impetus to get Voyager to work with the Borg. And from mm. that level, I think they did their job very well. Yeah, I don't there, think there's they necessarily. Certain... Oh, go ahead, Nate. Yeah, I was just kind of echoing that. Like, I don't think they necessarily needed to be anymore because the whole point was to, yeah, push push them together in yeah. this way um, with the Borg. It's also one of those things where, like, I think some of the impact of this this new species, like, we get we get a level of, like, how dangerous and scary they are because we know how dangerous and scary the Borg are. Mm-hmm. And then this thing fucks up the Borg. And so right. it's like, oh, what we thought was the Apex Predator is actually not, it's not the Apex. We just right. found it. We yeah. just found the new Apex. Oh, fuck. Yeah. So that, that like to me that that's kind of like the where the the interesting impact is there like we don't need to see all of the like detail for it like how scary they actually can be mm-hmm. it's just like we know we know that they we know what they're potentially capable of and if I think if they were to try and sell us on what they are actually capable of by showing it to us it would be it would lessen it because they didn't have, I don't think they had all of the like potentially all of the effects and ability that they could have wanted to use to be able to do that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. It seemed like they were stretching already when they were showing off like the actual like aliens, full CGI alien in 1997. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I was blown away by the, the balls to do that. Right. It did. Like, it that, that was a whole season's budget right there. Right. Yeah. That was that was they were just saving up for that one. And it looked it looked great. So I did a little research yeah, on that because it's pretty all right. Yeah. I was really curious. Like it was like whatever VFX house did this really knocked it out of the park. And it was not a VFX house. It was just like two of the guys who work on special effects in Voyager just like did it over a series of months on their by themselves. Wow. It all the modeling, the compositing, every the the color matching, everything. They said that ILM, Industrial Light and Magic, came in and did some work on some stuff afterwards, but all the monster effects they did entirely by themselves. It was just like in-house. It, it was in-house and it was like two people. That's really impressive. I hope they didn't lose their minds working that hard. I know. <laughs> Poor guys. Well, the quotes on Memory Alpha make it sound like they were just having a grand old time doing it. But I was blown away. when when I thought we were going to get like sort of, you know, shots and d- shrouded in darkness and that kind of thing. But we get like a full on, full lit, like CGI monster and a couple of shots. And it, it looked really good. It looked better than when Enterprise did it, what, like five years later, 10 years later? Um, When was Enterprise on? It was like mid 2000s. Yeah. Some, I think I was in middle school or when did that happen? I, that means nothing to you. I don't know why I said that. That doesn't matter. <laughs> um, I have another great visual. Of, this is a special effects thing. Um, so in order to really emphasize how dangerous species, uh, whatever, is they... Um, species numbers. <laughs> yeah, spe- yeah. Spe- species numbers. Species number two. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Um <laughs> They uh, they they did this thing. I think it was Cass having like a psychic vision or something like that. But they uh-huh. show a bunch a pile of dead Borg. Yeah, and I was shocked to learn that that pile of dead Borg were officially licensed Star Trek miniature toys that the crew went out and bought and put together. Oh and they, my god! They That's said they awesome. were so 
highly detailed and well modeled and well painted that they could do like they could do long held close ups on them and they looked photo real. I was I thought that was hilarious. That is very funny. I, I never would have guessed that they were no. <laughs> models, essentially. Like that's incredible. Yep. Yep. Those are toys. So hilarious. Good. Yeah, that was a nice uh nice Borg Rat King they pulled off. Yeah. <laughs> that's a good way to describe a Borg it. Rat King. Yeah. Okay, so what did you guys think about Seven? She Borg personality. She hasn't really done anything yet. Yeah, yeah. She's she's existed. I the, her like hero reveal shot where like the door opens and she's there. It was like, oh shit, what? Yeah. A, this is so cool. Yeah, yeah. The, the the second they did that, I was like, oh, I know what's happening here. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I figured it out. <laughs> I think my, my t my like whatever I watched this on showed the her picture in the thumbnail, so I knew she was going to be in it. But when mm-hmm. she actually like showed up, I was still like very excited about it. It totally worked on me. They were clearly selling her, and I was like, "Yeah, excellent. I'm into it." Yeah, I I mean, she was definitely a Borg person, but I mean, it is a little bit of her personality. What it's like starts to it's starting to come through. But like when she says stuff like, uh. They're like, how do you have this information? And she's just like, we are Borg. Like, yeah. are you stupid? Mm-hmm. Like, the, the kind of, like, the directness. She's going to mm-hmm. have that for a long time. And it's very, it's very funny. But, like, she's, I don't, I just think it's funny. She's just like, we Googled it. We're the Borg. Like, yeah. why do you think we know? I'm looking forward to seeing those layers, like, slowly stripped away. Yeah. From being fully Borg to, like, you know, more human. Yeah, be a, a fun reconstruction of a person. Essentially, there was a yeah. There's a lot of cool stuff they can do with her, and I'm really excited to see where she goes. It's definitely, I think, one of the most interesting like plot lines that they have introduced on this sh- on the show at this point. Like, For sure, Kess Ke- and Neelix not really that <laughs> interesting. Neelix yeah. controversial not. statement. Controversial <laughs> statement right there. I know, but, definitely uh, not. But I mean, Kes, like Kes they has could some... have done something, then they just didn't really. Yeah, I, they're they're definitely like realizing, oh, we're about to run our course for what we can do with Kes. Yeah, especially given the limitations that we've set on on her character, Neocompens. <laughs> yeah, of like, oh, she's gonna die soon. Right. Of old age. Like mm-hmm. we've set in stone that like soon she will be old lady Cass. <laughs> well, and Jennifer Lean is really working hard with the material they give her, but like her whole Cass's whole character concept is really like middle grade Star Trek stuff. And yeah. Seven of Nine is like pinnacle Star Trek concept. Right. So they had this whole storyline in Next Generation of like this Borg guy that gets de de assimilated deborged yeah and then there's also the storyline with um picard getting briefly assimilated and right locutus locutus oh sorry locutus yes um anyway and it's like a huge deal and it's still having ramifications in the picard show that's on now (laughs) which is such Um, a cool thing to do sorry we could take a minute to talk about first contact well i wasn't gonna bring that up we, but if you would like to talk about it, we can talk about it. Just super briefly. I just really like that they really lean into the fact that that would be an extremely traumatizing experience that would have mm-hmm. huge ramifications in someone's life throughout. 
Right. Mm-hmm. Not just like personally and emotionally, but also like on your career and how people think about you and trust you and that kind of thing. And I just, I, I'm jazzed to hear that that is continuing to play out in uh, Picard as well. Yeah. I think what they must have done is they looked at that stuff in Next Generation and were like, but what if a whole character about that and not just a couple episodes or whatever? Yeah. Like, what if we actually got a Borg person and deborged them and made them a main character and like, I don't know. I think there's going to be some, you know, duds as there always are with storylines with her. But I just think that it's such an interesting thing to do. Totally. Because uh, the Borg are this like mysterious, evil race that are, that's just like kind of nothing. And like, it's just like robots that attack you and they assimilate you and then you can't mm-hmm. stop them, blah, blah, blah. It's like terrifying. But those used to be people. Right. And so you're used to seeing them as just like these cyborgs that are unfeeling and they just like drop dead if you shoot them and then you're Mm -hmm. like Terminators or whatever. But they're people and you can make them back into people (laughs) if you try. Mm -hmm. And so I don't know. It just kind of reframes the entire thing. And I just think that's really cool. It adds this kind of tragic element to them, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Where now every time you kill a Borg, you like, well, shit, is there, was there a possibility that we could have rehabilitated this one? Right. right. This is actually a huge plot line of the first season of Picard where there's this entire uh, initiative to basically rehabilitate Borg people. Mm. And and they're called XBs, X-Borgs. XBs. <laughs> and um, they, the guy from Next Generation who was the first one that got deborged is in it and like cool seven is there obviously she's it's just so cool like the fact that they take all these threads that were kind of like just like what if this it's a cool idea and then tied them all together and it's just it's Mm -hmm. just really cool yeah the borg i think are like one of those concepts that are so simple but really like like, when you learn about them they lurk in your subconscious like they're there's just something like fundamentally reptilianly scary about them that like just mm-hmm. triggers your brain and so yeah you don't really have to do a lot with that to tell interesting stories right it's it's kind of an iceberg kind of villain trope yes like there's a there's very little on the surface but the deeper you go it's just like holy shit this is way bigger than i thought like you mm-hmm. have to think about so much more than yeah. is really there yeah and it really fills you yeah, an iceberg is a great way to think about it. Because yeah, like it is scary just off of first glance, but then you then you keep thinking like, oh wait, these are people. Right. right. Oh wait, if we kill them, we're just killing people. Right. But if we don't kill them, they're gonna kill people. Mm-hmm. What right. do we do? <laughs> like, right. Yeah. It's it's more difficult to just capture them than it is to to take. It's it's it, it adds layers and to like every interaction with them in a way that's really interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they're doing yeah. a, a great job expanding what it means to interact with the Borg in a way that isn't selling them out. Yeah. Yeah. There's just it's so much to it. It's very good. Uh, I do have one question, or I guess a couple of questions, but uh, so. The- O R G, but yeah, Borg, correct. Uh, Borg. If, so, so seven was taken as a child. Is what we're supposed to, what, what, mm-hmm. what they're saying? Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
so if she grew up as a Borg, mm-hmm. why did they not just make her into Robot Lady? What do you mean? Why? 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 Why does she? Why does she have? Why does she have boobs? Why is she not just like robot all from neck down? Okay, um, this is actually a great uh, segue into the thing I was going to ask if I could read. Uh-huh. It's going to get more serious than this question is probably. Okay. Oh no. Um, not in a bad way. Okay, so. I'm going to like semi spoil something from Picard and I'm just going to have like everyone's just going to have to deal with it because it's, fine. it's important and I don't actually expect you guys to watch that. And this is a very small thing anyway. Well, it's not small. It's just like not a big, huge plot point. Um, Seven is bisexual. Mm-hmm. That doesn't really come into play at all on the 90s show. Unsurprisingly. Wow. They didn't no. want to tackle that. But in Picard... It is confirmed. Um, and so I found this article called Seven of Nine Was Always Queer. And I'm going to read some excerpts of it from it. It's kind of long, but I think it's important because I want, like, Seven is really easy to just look at and be like, oh, the lady with the skin tight boob lady on Voyager. Like, and I just don't want us to look at her like that. Cause the crazy corset she's going to wear. The, yeah. Like, the yeah. show looks at her like that. But she doesn't deserve to be looked at like that because mm. she is so much more interesting than that. So, okay, I'm just going to read this. And the first part, I was actually not going to read this because I couldn't remember if this was a spoiler or not. For, but it will answer your question, Ben. So, okay, great. Um, also, I think we should just include, if we can, we could. Inc- we should include a link to this in the yes, show Yes, I will put it. We can put a link to it. I'm not reading the whole article. It's just some excerpt that's yeah, yeah. a lot longer and has more stuff about the Picard show and spoilers and that. I'm not going to read that part. This is, this is just about Seven as a character. So, as a child, Seven was taken to the Delta Quadrant by her parents, who were exobiologists studying the Borg. For three years, her parents trailed, observed and tagged the Borg aboard one cube, all in the name of science. One day, they got too close, their cloaking failed, and all three were assimilated. Seven was around six years old at the time, and her family might have been the first humans assimilated into the Borg. Though we never see Seven's assimilation, we know that unlike adults who are assimilated, she was placed in a maturation chamber where her synaptic pathways were remapped, so they, like, let her grow up, I guess. Mm -hmm. That's why she has boobs. (laughs) As part of her five-year dual maturation and assimilation, she had parts of herself stripped away and replaced with cybernetic enhancements. One of her eyes was replaced, and her body was filled with technology, including in her hands, hips, and brain. It seems that most assimilated people experience extreme pain and fear in the moments when they wait to become a Borg, and it seems the same was true for Seven. Once a drone out of the maturation chamber, though, we know that Seven, like other Borg, became compliant and connected with the hive mind. The queerness and transness of it all is staggering. Transgender, non-binary, and queer people have our bodies claimed and labeled when we are young, like the Borg assimilating Seven. Before we can declare who we are for ourselves, we get sorted into blue or pink, never green or black or yellow, and told that we're only attracted to people who wear the other color. And then those categories are enforced over and over. The surgeries forced on intersex infants are one example of how the gender binary is enforced, and refusing trans teens access to binders, hormone blockers, and other means of harnessing and manifesting our gender identities is another. Adults who jokingly ask children if they have any crushes on only one gender is one example of enforced heteronormativity, while disallowing queer kids to bring their dates to prom would be another. 
In the same way that trans and non-binary folks are never the same, and in reality, no person nor their relationship to their gender identity is the same, after having a fixed heterocentric gender binary force onto our bodies and consciousness, so too is Seven never the same after she leaves the Borg. The crew of the Voyager can strip her cybernetic implants away, but they can't remove them all without potentially killing her. They can tell her she's safe and take her away from the Borg, but they can't undo the trauma she experienced or the memory of all the violence she did with her own two hands when she was part of the Borg. Queerness and transness are not defined by coming out stories or medical procedures, despite the fact that those are the narratives that the media focuses on. Being queer, trans, and non-binary is so much more than a label, so much more than a rejection of heteronormativity. It is an acceptance of the multiplicity of being. It is an acceptance of the fact that everything changes. It is an acceptance that we may yet change again. Like many queer and trans folks, Seven's body is often a site of conflict between her and those who would control, dismantle, or destroy her for her refusal to fit in a binary. But what she does by resisting those labels, by refusing to deny either her Borgness or her humanity, is create space for others. What does the future of the XBs hold? Who knows? But thanks to Seven, they'll get to find out. Wow. That's that like really only a little bit of that article. It's a really good article. Everyone should read it. it yeah. We'll make sure it's in the show notes. Yeah. Yeah, that's fantastic. But yeah, I think they just accidentally made a really good character. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when they made yeah. her up and originally. Well, one of the things that is so lovely about the modern era of Star Trek is to me that the people who grew up on it and saw themselves in it and saw themselves valued by it. Like, now are getting to write for it. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yes. And so you can see people claiming and seven of nine and then making her their own. Mm-hmm. Right. All, all we really needed back then was a hint. And now it's being shouted from the rest of, for the rest of everybody to hear at this point. Right. Yeah. Right. Because I mean, Star Trek has always tried to be really pro- progressive as far as they were allowed to at certain different times in history when that was right. being made mm-hmm. well and as far as the writers at the time were capable of right right yep. right and, yeah lots of factors but like you know the original series had the first interracial kiss kind of it's not it doesn't mm-hmm. you can see that they aren't actually touching lips but like the implication is there mm-hmm. and that was like huge because that was the 60s when that right. show was on yeah for a white guy and a black woman to kiss like that was a big deal. Yeah. And then I don't even, I'm sure next generation did something. I don't know. (laughs) But like (laughs) the fact that every show as it goes along, it pushes it farther Mm -hmm. and like brings that representation. And I mean, infinite diversity and infinite combinations is like, one of the Star Trek mottos Mm -hmm. and it was never actually like shown like that Mm -hmm. until more recently when they were actually allowed to have like non-binary characters, trans characters, gay characters, like being visibly on the show, being who they are and not just a little like wink in the background. Like, Oh yeah. You know, it's just, it's come so far. It's the Marvel thing. Where it's never explicitly acknowledged and everyone is just sort of, you have to, um, there's little things in the background, but yeah, it's not like part of who the character is. Whereas in Star Trek, it just gets to be. Right. Mm -hmm. It's just a person. That's just who they are. It's not like a gimmick. It's not 
just there to be there. It's just we're telling real stories about real like people that are real. I mean, you know, it's fiction, right. but you know what I mean? <laughs> like, right. No, like it is real. Examples of real things that are real. How do I want to phrase this? I think we're all on the same page that like, um, like fiction and fantasy and sci-fi, especially fantasy and sci-fi, but fiction in general is just a reflection of the world that we get to ref- that we can look at in a safer way, right? Like the good mm-hmm. sci-fi has always been about showing us the world in a way that lets us see the absurdities in it. Um, or, you know, let, let, it lets us process the world around us in a way that we wouldn't be able to, if it was presented to us as if it was our own world. And so Star Trek has, I think always done a really great job of doing that kind of thing. Yeah, I agree. I think it's really interesting that even if they weren't meaning to, and, and maybe it's sad, maybe it's not, I don't know. But the idea that Seven's story now in 1997 and onward can be so um, reflective of somebody's experience 20, 30 years later mm-hmm. is it's either a testament to the writing or a testament to how um, we just sort of keep unpacking the same traumas over and over in society. Yeah. Based off of what we've seen, seen of the show, I'm going to go with the second one there. (laughs) And like Sarah said, they accidentally made a great character in that sense. But you know, I would, I would love to be proved wrong on that sense in that way. Yeah. I don't, I really, I tried to look and see any, like I didn't, I didn't look that hard, I'll be honest. But, like, I tried to see if there was anything about, like, why, what kind of, like, reasoning they put into why they made her backstory. But, I mean, it's just, I think it really probably was just service-level stuff. Like, Mm. ooh, a a Borg. We know about the Borg from the other shows. What if we made someone who was a Borg not be Borg anymore? (laughs) Right. And then it just kind of went from there. Yeah, I mean, because the Borg is the Borg has always kind of been like the biggest bad. So I think it's just yeah, that novelty of like having right. like a main character, good, good, good person, come from like the big, the big bad, right. yeah. the big scary thing from everything else. Okay, well, so how about this? Um, so much of what people are afraid of is just based on what they don't know and what they don't understand. And so like the Borg are that incarnate. Mm-hmm. And I think by by creating a character who like is the good in that or is, you know, like the good that comes out of that kind of thing, I think it becomes really evocative to a lot of people for anything that they're afraid of that they just don't understand. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it becomes Yeah. Get me on a different day and maybe I'm not quite as uh, tolerant or understanding of people who are overtly bigoted or hateful or whatever. But I think so much of it comes down to just never interacting with people who are different than you. And so they can feel very scary because they're unknown. And a lot of these sort of things, stories like this have so much value outside of entertainment because they let you understand other people in ways that you wouldn't otherwise. Yeah. Coming yeah. from a uh, very religious background, I can say that is pretty, pretty accurate. I mean, like 
that was a turning point for me was just starting to hear more like personal stories and personal, like just getting personal connections with people who were different yeah. than me. Shocking. Like, yeah. you know, right. like it was the same for me too. Yeah. It's, I don't know. It's interesting. And I keep, I keep hearing stories too about like students in particular too, who have like non-binary teachers and they're like, yeah, not having like, now that I have this relationship with you and like knowing you as a person, like I don't know how anyone could be, you know, uh, the, the, the way they are, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Cause it turns out everyone is just people. Mm -hmm. Right. Believe it or not. Peoples are peoples. Peoples are peoples. And I I think it's really funny. The, so this is, this happened to me today. The idea that like kids are going to get confused by like non, like non-binary people Mm -hmm. pronouns, that kind of thing. Um, my daughter uh, is very concerned. If, if, I don't know if you're familiar with the book, uh, The Big Red Strawberry, or The Ripe Red Strawberry and the Big Hungry Bear. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a classic book of childhood. And um, Zoe really latched on to The Big Hungry Bear. And so she talks about The Big Hungry Bear all the time. And today she was talking with Big Hungry Bear and Taylor had to pretend to be The Big Hungry Bear. Anyway, <laughs> I was tired of saying The Big Hungry Bear over and over and over again. So I just asked, like, is The Big Hungry Bear a boy or a girl? And Zoe sits there for a second. She says... Big Hungry Bear, not boy or girl. Big Hungry Bear is bear. And I was like, oh, yeah. That, like, <laughs> Good point. Like, implicitly, like, there is no gender binary for you. Like, people are just mm. people, whoever they are. Like, there's right. you, you've no trouble understanding this. Right. It's, and so, so, it's so adults much of it is that make it comp. Right. Adults yeah. are the ones that are confused, and you're bringing your confusion and putting it on mm-hmm. your kids. Exactly. Yeah. It's just society is fucked up. That's what it is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then there's also just so many people who don't even like who m- think that they mean well and then still mm. fuck it up somehow. It, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, I try to cut those folks a little bit of slack because at least they're trying. But it's the people who are trying to do well, mess it up and then don't try to do anything to fix it or anything like that. that that's a little bit what I more what I mean. Right. But yeah. If you're if you're doing what you think is you know, helpful, but it's doing active harm, then it's like less. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just refusal to learn. Right. Is where the problem is. Yeah. Maybe that's why the Borg are so, like I said, they're so simple, but they they feel very archetypal. And I think it's because they represent that sort of fear of the unknown that we all have. And that's mm-hmm. why you can get so much out of them like this. Yeah. Fear of the unknown and fear of losing control. Oh, Yeah. That's such a great point. Yeah, it's like body horror. It's like psychology yeah. body horror. Yeah. I remember as a kid seeing the Borg, and what really freaked me out was the idea of getting like my hand replaced with like a thing. Um, but at <laughs> you know, like a weird like yeah. a reciprocating saw or something. Uh, right. But now that I'm older, so much of what like I, I'm no longer as viscerally afraid of the Borg as I used to be. But so much about what is terrifying about them is the idea of yeah, losing control and losing your identity within them. Yeah. yeah, now 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 you're all about having a reciprocal software. Yeah, and I love mean, that. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah, love That'd it. Be sick. Pop it off and be able to replace it with a tool. Yes, give me that. God, you, you saying that just like got me. It made me made me start thinking about this comic that I really love, and I don't I don't want to go into it because I know you're gonna you're gonna be like, oh, we're gonna have to listen to this for the next hour. So I'll just talk about it with you for another time. Is this a JoJo? Are you gonna about no, to hit me with a JoJo? Is, <laughs> this is a different thing. <laughs> Wait, so you're not going to share it at all here? It's called Chainsaw Man. It's great. 
Oh my god, I know what this is. <laughs> it, it is another manga, but like, Andrew, I, I need to just tell you with some of the like spoilers for it that are just so incredible and so cool and so Wait, if, visceral. So. You're not the first person to tell me about this, so I will go read it and then we can talk about it. Yes, it's incredible. You'll love it. Okay, excellent. Chainsaw Man. Hell yeah. <laughs> it, it is It is like the a very certain level of like the main character wants to is is a child and then like the rest of the world man. no i mean he does <laughs> <laughs> i mean yeah but that's yeah that that is also true <laughs> uh but like the rest of it is just like what what is scary what uh, is yeah. scary about the world and like what is the scariest thing you can think of and like it keeps escalating of like reminding you like what is actually the scariest thing that you can you could think of mm -hmm. just like mm -hmm. you keep thinking going oh yeah no that is what what would be the scariest thing and then you're like oh no i have like way more deep-seated fears than this <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> i'm excited for all my traumas to be laid bare in front of me <laughs> yeah Actually, it, it's it's a very good series very good art it's very cool cool i'll check that out um speaking of the borg uh, they work really, really fast. Every time we've seen them on Voyager they, and they get on board the ship or whatever, they like convert those bays. Oh, it was also, I guess it was um, First Contact as well. Yeah. And they get on board a ship. They like within minutes, it's like full Borg in whatever bay they're in. Mm -hmm. That's why they're so scary. Yeah. They're very efficient. <laughs> they sleep standing up. In their weird little things. Uh-huh. Seven of Nine, I also noticed, never blinks. I That's part of her that, weirdness. Yeah, yeah. It, it's one of those subtle little things that really sells how creepy and different and weird she is. Yeah. Also, all those weird, totally inscrutable Borg machines. There's this great shot where they like go down in one of the cargo bays or something, right? On Voyager. Yeah. And they go down in there, and like there's this this the, the shot of panning shot of them walking along, and then the camera pauses to watch like this big weird machine like like go from the ceiling down to the ground like do something for a second and then go back up and everybody stands there and stares at it and it just carries on and i just yeah. love that little <laughs> so good just like Some this okay mysterious borg thing yeah it's, it's just important. weird yeah yeah no explanation nobody talks about it they just like exactly what you do in our life just sit there stare at it be like huh and then carry on with whatever <laughs> right. you're doing yeah really good shit I'm just I'm just so glad Seven's finally here. Like Kes was great. There's some great stuff with Kate with Kes, but like I'm I will trade her for Seven any day. <laughs> Sorry, I'm yeah. just I'm just so excited. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. And I don't even know I don't I don't know anything about her except that she's ex Borg, and I'm excited for it. Yeah, she. God, like I mean, this is from where I've watched. I haven't finished the second or well, I'm not caught up on the second season of Picard, but I watched the first season and just like watching this after watching that where she has like gotten to it with her character and like it's wild <laughs> to be like this is where that came from. It's just really cool to see how far her character has come from this very beginning beginning moment. Yeah. As much as we like to shit Oliver Voyager when they do a bad job, I generally have really, I hold them in really high regard and I think they're going to do a really good job with her and I'm excited to see where she goes. Yeah. I mean, I, there are a couple of things that I can think of specifically that were, are not good, but I think overall yeah. it's good. 
and she's and just the fact that her she exists now and is on the show being who she is now it's just really cool so yeah well i don't expect them to bat 100 and i yeah. expect that when things are bad they're gonna be bad because that's mm-hmm. how it always is the voyage it's either yeah. like okay or great or it's like <sighs> <laughs> yeah right but yeah i'm excited the last thing that I have to say is this one thing where <laughs> they're trying to beam. Who was it? It was Harry, Chicote, and Tuvok. Is that who went over to the Borg cube at the beginning of the first part? Yes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They were trying to beam them back because the other aliens were showing up and that's when Harry gets infected or whatever. They like lose the the transporter lock. And then Balan is like, I think I can get a skeletal oh, yeah. lock. Oh my god. Like, skeletal lock. I'm sorry. I just thought of it. Yeah. Like, I just yeah. now? <laughs> I just came up with it, but I think it might work. And that's not like super encouraging. No. And I was like, that could go so wrong. What if she only beams their bones I know. back? That's exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> I totally thought about the uh, the Galaxy Quest bit where they get that thing and it turns inside out. Yeah. Oh my god, oh my god. yes. Yes. Yeah. I, I, I don't yeah, know. Was... I've never actually done this before. <laughs> <laughs> I was an actor. <laughs> um, I had a few other just extraneous notes. The skeletal lock was really good. Um, <laughs> there's this bit at the very beginning where Janeway says, "Oh, just send them the standard greeting." And I'm really curious, what is the standard greeting in the future? Hey, hey. That's what up, hey, fam? <laughs> We're flying here. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, bro, how you doing? Um, let's see. Oh, my God. We, I cannot believe Baby we didn't talk ass. about. <laughs> what? <laughs> Nothing. Show me that. <laughs> twerk that Borg booty. Show oh me your God. twerking module. <laughs> Show me your twerking module. I need those high frequency, mathematically precise twerks. <laughs> Resonate in my shield frequency with your cheeks. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, what were you going to say that you couldn't believe we hadn't talked about yet? The name of the episode is Scorpion, and it's oh, based right. on that story that Chakotay yeah. tells. And yes. um, honestly, I'm so used to th- these sorts of things in, in Voyager just being like terrible, falling completely flat. But I thought, it, I thought it was really good. He did a really good job, and I thought it really worked for this episode. Yeah, I agree. It was good. Um, let me see. There was this moment where a planet blows up. And it like takes out like three of the board cubes, but like conveniently misses Voyager. Yeah. That was really close. Good thing they dodged that one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Phew. Would have been embarrassing. Yeah, it would have been really mm-hmm. unfortunate. I I really liked that. Well, first of all, I looked. I read some about this, and like the whole Da Vinci thing was basically something that Kate Mulgrew came up with. Like she just that wanted to hologram. hang out with John Reese Davies. Yeah. Well, I mean, but she was Who like, it would be to, cool like, for Janeway on. to have something like this to do because, like, it would just be cool. And so, the, I don't know, they came up with it that way. But, like, the conversation that she has with him later where she's like, I don't know what the <laughs> fuck to do here. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I don't know, it says something like, well, I pray whenever I have questions and God will help or whatever. And she's like, I don't know about God, but... Maybe an appeal to the yeah. devil. Yeah. I just love the way that she put that. Like, uh-huh. 
it just was like, wait, this is not. This, no, no that's the opposite of what I was saying. Yeah. Hold on. But <laughs> <laughs> I like that her instinct was like, I don't know what to do about these aliens. I know. I'll go ask Da Vinci. Well, Chakotay <laughs> isn't helping. Who else is she going to talk to? <laughs> Man, that's an interesting point. But when you said that, I realized like so much of it probably for Chakotay is like just trauma and fear around this too. And it can be really, there's, there's, it's so unlikely that in 2022 a TV show would be able to competently explore this. But I love the idea of uh, an episode that explores what it is like for someone who's thrust into this position of traditional masculinity to then sort of have to wrestle with having ideas or feelings or beliefs or actions that fall outside of that. Jakote would be such a cool vessel to explore that in. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Here, my actual last thing is the part when they figure out how to cure Harry. And he starts getting better. And Janeway's immediately like, all right, let me know when he's back on his feet. So I can get him back to work. <laughs> that is Can't... the most Voyager thing that could possibly happen. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Harry's like literally at death's door again. again. And then does he need time off? Nah. No. Nah. Does get he need to, to see work. a therapist? Got... Nah. nah. <laughs> he's an ensign. He got two days when he actually died. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he, he didn't, didn't even, even die, die this time. Yeah, yeah, he's fine. Get back to work. He all only almost died. Like, come on. What is he, a baby? Yeah, you don't get any time off for that. Yeah, what is this? Yeah. This, show, this ship's not for babies. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my last note on this episode is that I'm super jazzed for next episode to not acknowledge the existence of Seven of Nine, to completely forget that anything traumatic happened in the last episode and move on with Voyager as if nothing has occurred. <laughs> uh, well, she's definitely in it. <laughs> so that at least... It's not like they go from her being a Borg to her being in her sexy outfit with her normal face. With no. A little, like, there's a transition period. Uh, yeah, I just figured, like, yeah. in, season, in episode two, I kind of feel like they would, like... Okay, we did the big thing. Now we kind of go back to the old formula just for an episode. Just for one, and then, and then Seven's yeah. just in a stasis pod or something exactly. while we figure out what to do. Yeah, actually, I don't exactly. remember, because it might be, like, more focused on Kes and I'm why she shot right leaves. Now. I don't remember. We're going to get, like, a, a little bit of Seven of Nine at the beginning and at the end, and maybe a little check-in in the middle if somebody has to, like, reflect or be sad about something. <laughs> and, well, at least uh, you're not like her. <laughs> right. <laughs> And then the Kazon will be back. Oh my god. Oh my god. <laughs> Don't put that evil out into the world. <laughs> Jesus. Although how funny would it be if there was like a Kazon Borg just appearing in the background or something? <laughs> I mean, it could have happened and we just didn't notice. That would have been so funny. They pretty much unalienify them. They just look like humans with robot stuff when yeah. they get assimilated. That is a good point. Are they only assimilating humans? Do we have other... There are. Where's where's my quadruped Borg? (laughs) Okay, asking Star Trek to have non-bipedal aliens is a bit much. (laughs) But I think they were trying to assimilate these other aliens, the Apex 8472 Mm -hmm. guys. That's the whole reason this problem became a problem. Right. So they were trying it. They do assimilate other species. It's just that the I assume the makeup people are like, I don't, I don't want to have to do <laughs> this is cling on makeup yeah. and all the Borg stuff. Like yeah. just, yeah. That's the real secret 
to surviving the Borg is just have an atypical number of limbs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, they just don't know have, what to do. Have a weird nose yeah, just, or forehead. Just have <laughs> an atypical number of limbs. Right. Yeah, that that's all you need to do. They don't want that shit on their ship. Are you kidding me? It's made for bipeds. They're not going to change all that. <laughs> well, do we have anything else to say about these two episodes of Voyager? Nope. What are the nope. Con- what are the connections between the two? Yeah, does anybody have any connections? Any, um, any grables for this episode? What's between? Like, what was the same between? <laughs> they both had. Um... They both had moments where Harry Kim almost died. <laughs> <laughs> classic well fluidic space inhabitants, join us next week as we watch star trek voyager season four episode two the gift and uh adventure time season five episode 29 sky witch and 30 frost and fire the real gift is not seeing the kazon again yeah and never again baby except for once where they're like maybe we should bring her back and they're like no i don't think they come don't back don't put that evil on us i don't think they come back <laughs> Listeners, I promise you this. If the Kazon come back in an episode, we will not watch that episode. <laughs> we will end the podcast. No. <laughs> no, stop that. it. Stop it. Uh, remember to rate and review us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, follow us on Twitter at Voyantratime, Facebook, Voyantratime. Email us, Voyantratime at gmail.com. And join our Discord server. The link is in the show notes. In the meantime, I guess we'll just wait for you here. By the mausoleum. With our backs turned and our defenses lowered. Come on.